I am very honored to be here this morning. Um, I'm excited to share this word that uh, God showed me over the last few weeks. And I'm going to be talking today about faith. Guys, the Holy Spirit is in the room today because I didn't tell anybody what I was talking about. And Chad came up and gave a word about faith from Hebrews just a few minutes ago. And so I encourage everybody today as I'm speaking, this is not from me. This is from the Holy Spirit. This is from God. And I want everyone to just lean in and press in and get what God is saying today because the Bible is living and active. Amen. The word is powerful. It's a double-edged sword. It is sharp. It pierces through the bone and the marrow, through the flesh, and it goes straight to the heart. I want to talk today about the story of Elijah. Does anyone in here know the story of Elijah? It's found in 1 Kings. Um, Elijah is one of those stories that I heard. I heard about Elijah in children's church growing up, but I didn't actually really know who he was. Um, I don't think I paid attention at all. So that probably had something to do with it. Um, and so now as an adult, I'm rereading, or really reading for the first time ever, a lot of these old Bible stories and these famous Bible characters that I heard about when I was young. And I'm reading them for the first time now, actually reading them. And I'm finding that as I'm reading them, every single story I read, I'm like, was that in that? <laughs> I either heard completely wrong or they told me wrong or I just didn't hear it all. Probably I didn't hear it all. Like I said, I don't think I paid attention at all, um, even though I grew up in church since I was a baby. But now as an adult, I'm reading back these stories, and I'm amazed at the pieces to the stories that I never knew, but there is so much truth that God wants to reveal to us through these stories. And as an adult, when I first like, started diving into my walk with God in the Bible, I'd stick mostly to the New Testament because I think naturally I was like, scared of the Old Testament because in my mind, the Old Testament was just about the wrath of God and a bunch of commands and you know, stuff that wasn't fun to read, and it didn't make any sense. So I was like, I'm just going to read the New Testament, which I know I'm not the only one who's done that. I know other people have done that. But I got to a point where I was like, okay, I need, to, I need to dive into the Old Testament. And I have been blown away by the things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to me through the Old Testament. The stories that are in the Bible, each one of them is purposely put in the Bible, and there's so much power and truth to be unpacked from every single one of them. Not just the New Testament, by the way. And I want to unpack some truth today from the story of Elijah. As I was reading this a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit showed me some things in it that I believe are true for all of our lives today, and I believe we can learn a lot from them, truths that will build our faith. So my title today is Building Faith, the Story of Elijah. I'm going to pray real quick. Everyone bow your heads. God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for each and every individual that's in the building this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would have your way in this service. God, I thank you for showing up every time that we meet together. God, I thank you for residing with us even when we feel like you're not. In each and every moment, you have never left our side and you stay with us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to somebody in here today. And we thank you for everything that you do and that you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles and you want to read along, I'm preaching from 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 1. The, the main thing that I want to show you guys today is there is 
there is three main things, actually. There's three main things that I, the Holy Spirit showed me in this story that I believe are powerful truths that build our faith as believers in our walk. And the first thing that I want to show you that we see in the story of Elijah is that God provides for us. Starting in verse 1, chapter 17, it says, Now Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. We see in this passage of scripture that God first used ravens to feed Elijah for a season. And then he changes it up. And now he guides Elijah somewhere else and he says, I'm going to use a widow to feed you in this season. But there's something I want to catch here. It's important to recognize that the ravens didn't feed Elijah and the widow didn't feed Elijah, but that God used the ravens to feed Elijah and God used the widow to feed Elijah. The ravens and the widow were just the form of provision. They were just the way of provision, but the provider was ultimately God. It's important that we remember this. The form of provision in these two seasons looked different, but the source was the same. The form of provision looked different, but the source was the same, and the same is true for us. Just like Elijah, when we submit to the Lord, and whenever we follow his will for our life, he takes us into the wilderness to teach us that he is provider. He is the source. And I'm sure to Elijah, it probably seemed random that he would be fed by ravens. Out of anything that God could have chosen to provide for Elijah, he chose ravens. Isn't that so weird? But it, it, may, it reminds me of what we do. There's times in our life where God provides for us in a certain way. We don't realize he's providing for us. It just looks weird to us. It looks random. We say, why would God do that? That wasn't what I pictured. That wasn't how I pictured he would come through for me. But God is not a God of chance. And he's not a random God, but he's a purposeful God in everything that he does. And I believe that God provided for Elijah through ravens because he wanted Elijah to know that his help came from above. That it came from nowhere else. That he didn't need to rely on any man or anything for provision, but that he needed to rely on God alone. You see, church, we have to be careful that we don't rely on the form of provision over the source of provision. We have to be careful that we don't get attached to a way that he's providing for us and that we forget that he's the one who's providing for us. And when I talk about provision, I don't just mean physically, but I'm talking spiritually too. Not only does he provide for us, 
the clothes on our back, the food that we eat, the house that we live in, the car that we drive. But he provides for us spiritually too. Check this out. The job position may provide the money. It may provide the car that you drive. The job may provide the food that you eat. But God provided the job. And on the same token, he provides for you spiritually. He is the source. Pastor may be speaking into your life in this season. He may be delivering the spiritual food in this season, but the Holy Spirit gave pastor the word. Here's the thing, church. Jobs will come and go. And people and things that speak into your life spiritually will change from season to season. But the source is the same. The same God that provided a door and a job and an opportunity for you in one season will be faithful to do it again in the next season. And the same Holy Spirit that spoke to you in one season through pastor or through somebody else or something else in your life will be faithful to speak to you through someone or something else in the next season. We cannot be too attached to the form of provision. We have to be plugged into the source of provision. Because if we're too attached to the form, then when the form changes, our faith evaporates. Our faith is nothing. God is teaching Elijah in this moment that he is provider. He took Elijah out into the wilderness and he is showing him that I am provider. That's why he changes it up. He could have fed Elijah through the same thing the whole time, but he switches it up so that Elijah is forced to know he's the source. It's not from the ravens and it's not from the widow feeding him. He was teaching Elijah that he was Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. And the name Elijah means Jehovah is my God. And here's what's so cool about it. The, the Bible is awesome. It's living and active word. Not only do we learn about who God is as a provider through Elijah's life, but we can also learn from the widow's own life. If we go down to ver or chapter 17, verse 10, let's see what happens next. So he went to Zarephath, when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and he asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I do not have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we can eat it and then die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you do have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, The jar of flour that you have will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. We see in this passage that Elijah asks the woman to feed him, even though she barely has any to eat for herself because God told Elijah to have her to do so. 
But here's the thing. Even though she didn't have enough to feed herself, Elijah told her, in your obedience and in your faith, do it anyways, and God will bless you abundantly and that your supplies will never run out. This is just a side note. When we are faithful and willing to give God the little that we have, he is always faithful to bless us with much beyond compare. And this is something that we see throughout the whole Bible. Even in the New Testament, it says, he who is not faithful with little, how can he be trusted with much? And concerning tithing in the Bible, God says, see that I will not open the floodgates and bless you with so much that you won't even be able to contain it all. That's concerning tithing. So it is a, a principle that you see all throughout the Bible. God is saying, if you are faithful with little and you give me the little that you have, I will be faithful to bless you in return in ways beyond measure. See, in this point, not only do we see God providing for Elijah through the widow, she's giving him physical food, but we also see God providing for the widow through Elijah. And here's the key. They both were obedient. Elijah was obedient to go to the widow's house, and he was obedient to tell her to make him a meal. And the widow was obedient to make a meal, even though she didn't have enough to make a meal. It was their obedience that led to them seeing the provision. Obedience leads to provision. I read a story the other day. A little boy and his mother were reading the story of Elijah and the ravens. And the little boy, having read this incident with his widowed mother on a winter night, as they sat in a fireless room beside a bare table, he asked her if he could set the door open for the night so that God's ravens could come in. And he was so sure that the ravens were going to come in. And the official of that German town passing by was attracted by the sight of a door open on a winter night. And so he goes into the door to inquire what's going on. And when the boy told him that he had left the door open for God's ravens to fly in and provide for them, the town official said, I will be God's raven. And he relieved their needs, not only then, but for the times to come. This is another side note. Maybe God is calling you to be a raven for somebody else in this season. There are seasons of our life where the Holy Spirit leads us to provide for other people in different ways and to be the raven for somebody else. Not the source, but the form of provision. Maybe God's calling you to do that today. And if he is... Trust the Holy Spirit. He will guide you to do that if you're supposed to. Which brings me to my second point. God was teaching Elijah that he provides. And he was teaching Elijah that he guides. God was guiding Elijah step by step, one step at a time. If we look back at the beginning of the chapter really quickly, in verse 1, it says, Now Elijah said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. We see in this passage, God didn't tell Elijah to go to Kareth 
until Elijah first gave word to Ahab of the coming drought. I'm going somewhere with this. If we go a few verses later, it says, Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. God didn't tell him to move to Zarephath until the brook had dried up at Kareth. Here's what we see. God is guiding him step by step. God's telling him, go here. Now wait until this happens. And then he doesn't give him the next step. But Elijah's obedient, and he goes there. And what God told him to wait for comes to pass. Then he says, now go here and wait for this to happen. And then he doesn't give him the next step. But Elijah's obedient, and he goes there and he waits. And what God told him to wait for comes to pass. Then God says, okay, now go here. You see what I'm saying? God is giving him step by step. God doesn't give us a whole map. He could give you a whole map, but then it wouldn't be relational. He could give you a map that shows the whole route and say, okay, I'll meet you at the end. Just follow the path and get there. But we don't serve a God that is a transactional God. We serve a relational God. It's about relationship. It's partnership. He wants to do this with you. He doesn't just give you what you need and abandon you. That's not the point. If you had a map, you wouldn't need to stay plugged into the source for each step. But he wants to guide you step by step. You see, it's this close walk and obedience from Elijah with each instruction that allowed Elijah to receive the provision that God had for him. It's Elijah's obedience that allowed him to receive the provision that God had for him. Because if Elijah hadn't been obedient to go out into the wilderness, then he wouldn't have experienced what God had for him. He wouldn't have experienced the provision through the ravens and the provision from the widow. And he wouldn't have experienced a miracle because we're about to read about a miracle that God does through Elijah to the widow. If he hadn't been obedient to follow God, then he wouldn't have got to experience that partnership with God. Here's the thing though. In order to hear God's instruction and be guided step by step, we have to know his voice. We can't hear his voice if we don't know his voice. And the problem is, in this world that we live in, there is a lot of voices. There is a lot of voices. There's family, there's friends, there's jobs, there's social media. There is tons of things and people trying to tell you their opinion and their truth. And this can cloud our minds from hearing the voice of God. And that's scary. Sometimes we have to back away and cut out all the other voices in order to learn to hear his. Check this out. Notice in scripture, God told Elijah, go and hide in the Kareth ravine. And this is cool. I learned this while studying for this. Kareth comes from the ancient Hebrew word that means to cut away. So God called Elijah to go hide and cut away all the other voices in his life that were distracting him. Sometimes in you and I's life, we have to cut away the other voices and hide in God and hide in his word so that we can learn to hear his voice, so that we can be tuned to hear his voice because this is the only way 
that we can learn his voice, enable ourselves to walk in his guidance step by step. Now check this out. While God cares about our interest and he has our care in mind, it's not always about us. As Christians, when the Holy Spirit enters our lives and whenever we ask Jesus to come into our hearts, the Holy Spirit's job is to cut away our flesh and make us more like the Holy Spirit and make us more, or make us more like Christ, to reflect Christ. And our flesh is selfish, but the Holy Spirit wants to make you selfless and remind you it's not always about you. Maybe he isn't leading you somewhere for you. There's times in our life where God leads us somewhere and we're only thinking about our own good, our own provision, how God's going to take care of us, how God's going to bless us, how God's going to provide for us. And then when it doesn't look how we thought it would look in our head, we assume God's not providing for us. The problem's not that we assume that God's not providing for us. The problem is that we assume that he's only providing for us. Sometimes he leads us somewhere for somebody else. We're still in chapter 17. Let's go down to verse 17. It says, this is after the widow made the meal for Elijah and God was faithful to produce her food and she will never run out now. It says, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill and he grew worse and worse. And finally, he stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin? And kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms. He carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and he laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times, and he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house, and he gave him to his mother. And he said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word from your mouth is from the Lord, and it is true. I believe that God didn't just lead Elijah to the widow to feed Elijah. He didn't just lead Elijah to the widow to feed Elijah. God knew that her son was going to die. And he knew that he was going to use Elijah to raise him from the dead, showing that widow that he is a God of revival. And God knew that her son was going to become ill. And he was going to use Elijah to revive that son and show her that God was still a God of revival. And God knew that she would say, have you come to kill me because of my sin? God knew that she felt shame and guilt. And God was using Elijah to come to her and remind her that he is a God of redemption. See, here's the thing. It's not always about us. In fact, it should never be. God's worrying about you, but our job as believers is to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. We are to serve others. Here's the thing. God knew that Elijah needed physical food, and he used the widow as a raven to provide that. But God also knew that the widow needed spiritual food. He knew the state of her hopelessness in her heart, 
And he was going to use Elijah to provide spiritual food for the widow. He doesn't always make it about us, but he uses us if we're submitted to him to provide for others. I love the quote, allow the Holy Spirit to ruin your schedule. Because let me tell you something, when you allow the Holy Spirit to ruin your schedule, your ruined schedule can become somebody else's right on schedule. Your ruined schedule can become somebody else's right on schedule. And what seemed random for Elijah to go to this widow's house was purposeful by God because we serve a purposeful God. Elijah, in this moment, was this widow's right on schedule. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, and we know that God's providing for us, these are the type of moments we get to experience as believers. Partnership with God is about these moments. God wants to use us to provide for others and to help others. But we have to be submitted to the Holy Spirit's guiding. We can't make it all about us. So we see so far in the story, God has taught Elijah that he provides. He's taught Elijah that he guides. And now, this is my last point of charity wants to come up with the team. God is going to teach Elijah that he resides. A long time after the story of God providing for Elijah, through the ravens and guiding him to the home of the widow, God leads Elijah to confront the evil King Ahab. And King Ahab was married to an evil queen named Jezebel. And she was going around, she was killing all the prophets in this time, the prophets of God, she was killing them all. And at this point, there's one prophet left, and that's Elijah. And King Ahab tells Elijah, he says, you're causing trouble for Israel. And Elijah throws it back at King Ahab and says, no, you are causing trouble for Israel. And he says, you've turned away from God, you've disobeyed his commands, and you're following Baal. And so Elijah challenges Ahab. He says, we will build an altar at Mount Carmel. You bring all 450 of the prophets of Baal, and I will go up there, since I'm the only prophet left of God, and we'll have a challenge you call on Baal, and I will call on my God. And the God that answers with fire and consumes the sacrifice is the true God. So they go to Mount Carmel, and Ahab's 450 prophets of Baal, they call on Baal all night long, literally until the next day. And nothing, nothing at all. And Elijah calls on God. And God sends a flame from heaven that comes down and consumes the sacrifice. And he delivers all the prophets of Baal into Elijah's hands to be slaughtered. God came through because of Elijah's faith and proved that he is the one true God, not only to Elijah, but to all those who were there. God showed all the people of Israel that he is provider and that he alone provides guidance for us. After that, the drought that they had been in for years clears up, rain shows up. You would think at this point, Elijah's faith would be impeccable. 
He knows God as a provider. He knows that God's guiding him because he's done it all along the way. He was providing for Elijah back with the ravens and the widow. He provided for Elijah all the way up to Mount Carmel. He provided with the fire from heaven. He was guiding him all along the way. He guides him with how to build the altar that the sacrifice will be made at. He guides him on when and how to ask for the fire to come down. You would think that Elijah's faith would be impeccable. He has shown him time and time again that he provides and that he guides. But there's one more lesson God wanted to teach Elijah, and that's that he resides. If we go to chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life that of one of them. Jezebel is telling Elijah, you're dead. I'm going to kill you. It says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness, right back where he started. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush, and he fell asleep. After everything God had done for Elijah, here he was, afraid to the literal point of death that he tells God he wants to die. Where's his faith? Church, faith is built when we know and remember who God is and the things that he's done. But fear is built when we forget what God has done. The Holy Spirit's amazing. Charity pick fix my eyes today. Remind me of who you are. Remind me of what you've done, where you have taken me, how you have set me free. I believe there's some people in here today that the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of what God has done in your life. When we forget what God has done and when our focus shifts from the provider to the problem, our faith weakens. And when we're focused on the problem, we begin to feel abandoned like God has left us. When in all reality, we're just not focused on the things he's done for us. We're focused on the problem right in front of us. In this moment, Elijah was like Peter. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he put them back on the waves and he began to sink. And the same is true for us. When we take our eyes off the provider and we put them on the problem, our heart begins to sink and we begin to drown. We begin to drown quickly. When we come to moments where we feel abandoned and hopeless, God wants to remind us that he still resides with us. The definition of reside is to have one's permanent home in a place. Permanent. Let me tell you something. God's status of residency with us and within us is not that of momentary or temporary, but his residency in us is that of permanent. It is permanent. The same God that was with Elijah in the wilderness, was with Elijah at Mount Carmel 
when he brought the fire down at the prophets of Baal, and he's the same God that's with him right now as Elijah wants to die. And the same God who was with Joseph in a prison, who was with Moses in the wilderness, and Daniel in the lion's den is with you right now. He still resides with you because his presence with you is permanent. It has never changed. It will never change. He is faithful yesterday, today, and tomorrow and forever. Faithful through the ages. He is the same. But just like Elijah, we can forget sometimes. We can forget what God has brought us through. We can forget that God has taught us that he is provider. That he has guided us to where we're at now. And just like Elijah, God wants to remind us of who he is and what he's done. Chapter 19, verse 9. It says, Then Elijah went into a cave, and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars, and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And God said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. It says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And the earthquake came, after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood outside the cave. Why did he pull the cloak over his face when he heard the whisper? I believe it's because he knew the voice of God because God had taught him what his voice sounded like. Elijah knew the voice of God, so he knew the presence of God immediately when he heard the whisper. And he pulled the cloak over his face, which is the same thing Moses did at the burning bush. Moses knew he was in the presence of God, and he hid his face. Let me tell you something. God could have spoke through the earthquake, He could have spoke through the wind. He could have spoke through the fire to show all of his power and how mighty he is. But instead, he chose to spoke through a gentle whisper because he's a purposeful God and I believe he wanted to whisper to Elijah to remind him that he is still near and that he is still close and that he's not the one shouting. The voices in the world shout for the attention of your mind But God doesn't have to shout because he's not far away, because he resides in you. He's with you permanently. He's never left you. So all he had to do was whisper to Elijah, and Elijah immediately knew he was with him. Church, I believe that God wants to whisper to some of you today and remind you that he is still with you. If everybody wants to stand and bow your heads and close your eyes,